Thanks for listening to Drinks with Tony, the place to hear conversations with authors and other creatives. How much fun is that? Well, it's kind of like eating a barrel of cotton candy and not going into a diabetic coma. How much fun is it? It's like a 24-hour orgasm with a 29-day post-coital afterglow. No, really. How much fun is it talking to other authors? It's like reading an awesome book, then calling up the author and asking them to meet you for coffee. Yes, it's just that fun. Enjoy the show. Hi, I am Maggie Rowe, and you are listening to Drinks with Tony. And I'm the Drinks with Tony Show. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Maggie Rowe. She performs and produces Sit and Spin, the longest-running spoken word show in Los Angeles. Her TV and screenwriting credits include Arrested Development, Flaked, and Bright Day. She's the author of Sin Bravely on Soft Skull Press. Hey, I was on Soft Skull Press, and we're here to discuss Sinning Bravely. How are you doing, Maggie? I'm doing very good. Uh... Haven't done a big sin so far today, but uh, waiting for one to come up that happens. What, what kind of sin are you looking for when you go out about the day and you're like, you know what, I need to do that? <laughs> I Okay, I would say a sin for me would be not being pleasant. It's a little sin for me. If I have the opportunity to not be perfectly nice, okay. that's a little sin. So I'm just going to be a little like, you know. Fuck you, Tony. There, there's my sin. Well, yes, please make sure that you sin on the show because that'll that'll make a lot of sense. Yes, not too pleasant. That's an easy sin. All right, let's get that out of the way. Um, Sin bravely. Oh, my God. Like, I I grew up in the screwy Jehovah's Witnesses. You grew up in the screwy Christianity. Yeah, yeah. It's a a weird world. Do you know what I'm so happy about these days, though? The term gay Christian which is coming out with uh, Buttigieg here. The idea that you could be a Christian and be a homosexual would have been radical in the world that I grew up with. How about you? Like, you couldn't say I'm a gay Jehovah's Witness, could you? Well, I mean, like, as a slur, they used to call me that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Didn't have the theology behind it, but yes. But no, I could not. Um, starting to, you know, realize that there's a difference between being an evangelical and being a Christian. Yeah. And it's a, you know, the, I never knew that there was anything beyond my little world. It's like the whole thing, a fish doesn't know it's in water. You know, I didn't know that all Christianity or all religion was not evangelical. Yeah. And, well, we were separatists, so we were every other Christian religion was satan so and me too catholics like i i remember the you know the idea that they prayed to mary we were like that's crazy what are you talking about you're praying to a girl (laughs) that's weird and she was just like jesus's mom she wasn't anything it was a lady catholics cray cray 
I mean, kind of inseminated by God, but whatever. Whatever. I guess she was chosen. She was special, but she was really pretty. Whatever. But we're not going to pray to her. <laughs> I wonder if uh, in the theology, if um, God was looking for a hot Mary or if he just didn't care. Right. What were the qualifications? No one really discusses that. She was, she was, I guess, pure of heart, whatever that means. She was a virgin. That was very desirable. But what, what else did she got? I would like to see a photo of Mary. Yeah. Did, did he pick a mom? Like, was it who he would like as a mom? Right, right. Because, I mean, you got the pick. If you're a god, you got the pick of anyone. Anybody. Anybody. I mean, a certain age range. Right. Although, of course, you know, there was always, who is it in the, oh, Sarah that got, in the Bible, Abraham's wife that got pregnant at 137. Right. So, you know, he could have just, you know. He didn't have to limit it to the 16-year-old. Or How old was she supposed to be? Do we know? I have no idea. But, I mean, you know, if we talk about Sarah, I'm sure she was doing Pilates and yoga and really staying fit, you know? Horror work. Gyrotonics was, I think, huge in that day. <laughs> yeah. I love geeking out on Bible with other Bible thumpers <laughs> from my youth. <laughs> so, um, when, you, when you wrote Sin Bravely, uh, I mean, what did... Did, are you still in touch with your parents or the, that religion? And are they are they still in it? And was there they okay? Are, they are very much so, but absolutely wonderful people. Yeah. I think what was hard for me about breaking away was if they had been hypocrites, if they had been awful, I could have said, "Well, this is ridiculous." But they were such great examples of their faith that it was actually it, it made it harder. Yeah. Um, so we are in. I'm very. I'm close to them. The, the, the difference of belief is hard sometimes, but, uh, but yeah. How about, how about your parents? Are you, I'm going to turn it around on you. Are you close to your parents? Uh, per- are you still Jehovah's Witnesses? So, okay, my uh, parents are not Jehovah's Witnesses, but my mom still believes in a weird way, and um, so she keeps a finger in it. And then, uh, but yeah, my, my dad actually got out before I got out. He had a nervous breakdown. I was still in the belief system, and the Jehovah's Witnesses were like, "You need to, uh, you know, you need, you need to be a good example for your family, so we can get your dad back because he was such a good brother and such a good elder." And no, I wrote a book about it instead. I did know that. I, re- I realized I knew the answer to that question when I, I was like, "Oh, that's right." Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, in the book, it's in the book, it's a di- how he goes out is kind of the same but kind of different. So, I might. Um, but yeah, in, in the book and the film, that's like the close, they're the closest, I mean, they're right on top of what my parents were. Like even when I saw Paul uh, Edelstein on set and, I'm, and in wardrobe and then in scene, and I was like, how is he directing, how is he gathering the soul of my dad in the 80s? I mean, even his expressions and how he held himself, I have no, I'm just like sitting there going, you got it. I, I like, and I'm like, how do you get it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an amazing thing to see when something that you've written and is something as personal is yeah. is realized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He scared me. <laughs> I was like going, "Oh crap! What did I do wrong?" It was just like, yeah, it wasn't the, it wasn't a pleasant experience, but <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. How did you feel overall about the film? About the final cut? Yeah. Yeah, I, I really liked the final cut. There's a couple little things that, um, I, that I'm like, ah, you shouldn't have done that. But no one will notice except for me. But um, 
But as far as the final cut, Eric was really great in keeping me on board and sending me rough cuts. And um, it's he, I was through the whole process with him, so he was uh, yeah. So that was solid. I'm I'm very happy with the with with how it turned out. I'm lucky. I mean, like especially when you have a like, and you can't change it. Obviously, I I did this film. <laughs> I cannot believe how long I spent on it, but I created a fake religion. Yeah called Purosphere. Our slogan was, if you've ever wanted something that you did not have, then Purosphere is for you, which, you know, a lot of people say. So I spent, you know, this probably about a year and a half creating this religion with its tenants, and we had different people do video testimonials, and I tried to, and did, in, in some ways, pass it off as a real religion. So I went to different conferences where they would have the different tables, the different New Age tables. And I would do, I'd have my Peersphere booth, and I had my Peersphere merch and my jewelry, and we sold, um, we had a clothing line. We did, you know, we just sold swag for this religion. But since the promises were so outrageous, it just brought people it brought people in. It was like, wow, the universe is my Skyball catalog and I can just go shopping? This sounds fantastic. Yeah. You know, we get people. Anyway, but so I made this film deconstructing the religion, basically showing that it was bullshit right, <laughs> the, the, the thing that I created yeah. but this this was all a big long segue too like when you see a film and it's done and, and when there's nothing you can do about it after it you like you just see those little things you're like ah yeah. that it's permanent but your film is so great I'm sure you you didn't have many of those at all yeah, but, yeah. but yeah 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 and I mean in the end it was it, it's Eric's film it's not mine I was just lucky enough to be a part of the whole process so that that was what so um so when did can we see that film is that yeah, where, yeah. where is it uh, it's on Amazon it's okay. prime it's streaming it's called bright day that's right I know <laughs> uh, yeah, and it came from uh, in our in Pierce sphere. We would always greet each other, saying "Bright day, bright day." That was our little slogan. That's how you know a Pierce Spherist. Now, now, when the people was there a point where people were joining, and then they and then you told them, "Hey, look, this isn't like real." Like, did you tell? Did you or did you just keep it going? I never told anybody that it it wasn't real. Yeah. Um, if I had had, you know, if I wanted to devote even more of my life to it, I would have, like, gotten all of our stuff up on a web so we could keep selling it. I mean, really, what what financed it was these sales. Because people want, th- it's like you go to a yoga studio. Even, like, walking here just now, I walked past this crystal place. And it was like, boy, everyone just wants something physical that will that they believe that will in some way transform them and so like with Piersphere we just had like everything we had we called it um, threads and garb instead of clothes Um, and there everything meant something so everything had a symbol so if you had we had a shirt that was called a gathered flounce (laughs) <laughs> the gathered flounce was when you needed to have more freedom in your life. So everything had a everything had a purpose to it, and, and, and it financed the film. Yeah, the, like, did it finance post production too? Uh, it 
part of it. Yeah. We we also had an investor, but yeah, yeah. but we we were able to raise a little raise a little dough. Um, be, instead of jewelry, we called it beadery, and you know we right. would bead in little slogans. Like one of our slogans, um, we called it sacred ignorance rather than ignorance. But it was the idea that what you don't see doesn't exist. Uh, so we would have, you know, a beatery that would have sacred ignorance. So you could remind yourself that if there's anything unpleasant that you see, you can just ignore it and it will cease to exist. I'm in. I want one. I like that. I, I like the concept. Yeah, it's a powerful principle. <laughs> and, th- and what's interesting is it, it is based on like it, it, there is a basis for that kind of belief in general. It's like where that actually works. You know, not on a not on selling a bracelet, and uh, you know, but maybe it does. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that. But you know, it's like, but it works if you're meditating and you're and you concentrate on other avenues of track. Yeah, the secret would tell you don't bring any negative ideas into your head. You're gonna manifest them. Don't ever think about the worst case scenario because you'll invite it. Or even people, a lot of people that were following the secret were not getting health insurance because they felt like what you're doing is you're visualizing illness and you're bringing it into your life by that very act. So that's something that sacred ignorance would, yeah, sacred ignorance would say, don't get health insurance. What are you thinking? See, now with the, now, now with the secret, that sounds culty when people don't get health insurance and don't. Right. But people did follow There was, I think Oprah did a, like a big, apol- not, not an apology, but... There were people that were choosing not to have chemotherapy and instead doing these visualizations based on the secret. And, and she had to do, she did a show where she was like, whoa, 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 you know, I've promoted these ideas. But you visualize and take the appropriate action. I have a title for that show. It's called Hey Retard. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think that would have flew by then? Yeah, I think that's good. Well, I think it really gets to your target audience yeah. right away. <laughs> it's like, what was that show? Dear White People. It's the same idea. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I, re- I never watched it. <laughs> it's a great show. Okay. It's a great show. I, I, I was put off by the title, and then I was like, oh, well, I guess I should be put off. I'll watch it yeah. anyway. It was, a great, it was a great show. Yeah. As long as it's good storytelling, I'm all in. If, it's, yeah. if the storytelling sucks, like... I can give a shit if it's blue or brown or red or whatever, you know. What are you, what are you watching these days, storytelling-wise? What what are your oh, TV, TV shows? shows? Um, well, I mean, Better Call Saul, of course. Oh, yeah. It is the be- and it's slow. Like, I love the time. Like, I remember the, I uh, forget the woman's name, the blonde woman, but she gets in a car accident, do you remember? But they took so much time with her like putting the coffee in where it almost like everything and you just know something's coming. It's such good storytelling. Yeah. I, I think they get the luxury of finally telling good story because they developed the character on Breaking Bad. Right. So they and then they got a sh- you know, they made a shit ton of money for the network on Breaking Bad. And then now they're like, okay, go ahead and do what you want so the storytellers can get in there and the writers and they go, you know what? Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. And it's just that must be like the dream TV writing gig, especially for people who write long form like us. Oh yeah, that would have that show. I, and he, it's the most surprising breakout character too. Yeah. Like Sal is not that. If you were to think which uh, the comic relief character, yeah. like I can't think of a drama that 
a, the comic relief has been a spinoff, except for that show. Yeah. Like, it's a, yeah. I mean, and and, and uh, speaking of like Bob Odenkirk, even in the even watching him in the Mister Show days, when he's funny, there's always a there's always a, a sadness to his funny. There's always the sad clown aspect to him, which just I just they cast that so well. I don't think they I don't think they even realized who they were casting when they, yeah, they probably didn't because he wasn't he, he hadn't done much traditional acting yeah. before that. I think. Yeah, it's interesting. He probably does have more of that sad clown than David Cross does. Right, right. Yeah. There is something. Yeah. Because yeah. David Cross kind of has the wink. And yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and uh, now I forgot his name. The guy in Better Call Saul. He's got the o- Odenkirk. He's got the. He stays in it. I mean, he just commits to like everything, no matter what. <laughs> I remember seeing a video. I think he was doing maybe the Aspen Comedy Festival or Montreal, but um, he just came on stage and did the act with David Cross completely naked just with his hand covered as if there was you know <laughs> it's just like well this is what we're doing this time <laughs> just and, like, and, and they didn't reference it they yeah, just did yeah, it yeah. <laughs> totally mean we actually for the show that I do sit and spin there was uh, uh, one of our regular performers, Ron Zimmerman, years ago, he, he doesn't do it so much anymore, used to just come out for curtain calls naked. Uh, like, not cover, you know, he would just, <laughs> everyone else would be clothed. There would be no, re- just every time, that was just part of it. <laughs> but it was like, it just made, it was a, yeah, made people laugh. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I mean, I know my naked body would make people laugh from the start. So I, I, I think, you know, most guys' naked bodies is a, is a good laugh. <laughs> True. And it's only now that I feel like women are starting to use their naked bodies to get a laugh. Lena Dunham, I feel like, was one of the first. I do to feel like, to be like, that's funny. Bodies look funny when they have, like, you know, I feel like before, I feel like that was really the change. Women were so conscious about how they looked and were like, didn't want to be the butt, so to speak, of a... Uh, and it's like you. It's, well, then you even go in the naked bodies and sex. Sex is weird and funny, and it so it's, it, a weird old, it's a weird thing to do. Yeah, the little yeah. parts are funny. That goes in here. <laughs> it's like I don't understand people that are serious about it. You know, I was just like, oh, no, no, no. This, there's, there's no camera lighting here. It's, it, we're both dumb human beings. You know? Doing this bizarre yeah. thing. Yeah. But if you saw any other creature do, like, you would be like. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Even dogs in the park. I'm just like, get a room. That's just that's too much. Yes, yes. I actually saw um, this weekend saw two rabbits humping. Really? Yeah, you know they always talk about yeah. yeah the, and then I saw it in action. Wow. Now, I haven't seen the rabbit hump. Like, do, do they like, kind of stick together too? Like dogs do? Yes, they definitely stick together. Yeah. The um female rabbit did not seem like she was having the best of times okay. but the dude seemed like he was it, it was a real it was a good gig for him yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's just like all right i got you yeah, 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 fucking nature <laughs> these <again>. fellas <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go <laughs> and and um Sit and spin. I, I've I've heard about it even when I was in San Francisco, and I, you're still doing that. It's been going a long time. What's fun to see is um, you'll see uh, people's stories develop through the years. So since it's been so long, you'll see somebody that you know 
17 years ago, was, we're doing pieces about dating and then pieces about marriage, then pieces about getting a divorce, and then about having children, and then the children going up. You know, like you kind of see a whole like lifetime's worth for people that... And it's kind of... it. I, I really like it as a community builder. I know there's so many other spoken word shows now. It didn't used to be, like, but now there are. But, you know, sometimes I wonder, like, why do I keep doing this thing? Since there are other places for people, I'm not offering something that they couldn't find somewhere else. Um, but I feel like it's really developed a community of people that know each other from these stories, you know, and from just getting to know other people by... You know, there's so much small talk in the world. Like, it's nice to hear somebody get up on stage and really talk about what's going on. I feel, <clears throat> I feel like I have a easier time talking to 200 people about the most awful things in my life than talking one-on-one with someone. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's like something is so personal, you yeah. can only tell it to 200 people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. uh, and that there's a freedom to that and the ability to construct your story. And I, what I, the pieces that I try to find, rather than like what I would consider cocktail party stories, like a crazy thing happened to me when blah 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 blah, that are, you know, kind of fun, uh, but that aren't like kind of the meat and guts of what's currently going on with somebody. Like I feel like the thing to write about for our show is like, what is, what's the thing that you're most struggling with right now, and how can you make it funny and make yourself the butt of the joke as opposed to because I, I feel like the tendency people have is like, oh, these different crazy dates that I went on, and this dude was a nuts on those two, as opposed to how ridiculous am I in these situations, you know? Uh, uh. No, I really know because it's like the, in those storytelling things, it's almost like they're feeding their own ego. When you go out there and you like let your ego down, then everyone can kind of open up and go, oh my God, I have felt that way and I can feel that way through that person. Yes. There's a Leonard Cohen line that I love, which is, um, I've been where you're hanging. I think I can see how you're pinned, you know, which I, which, which I really, and like there, and the idea, you know, people talk about what's making yourself vulnerable, what's confessional. And it's not generally, I feel like the, the true ones are not about some outrageous sexual confession that like one woman did this piece where she talked about coming out to LA and she had studied acting. She had been at a conservatory and she had worked with all of these different teachers and she just wasn't getting work and it was so hard for her. And she just said, and I really thought about it and I really pondered it. And the truth is, I'm not a very good actress. (laughs) And it was like, it got this huge laugh because it was like, because like nobody would ever say that. Nobody would, like that's a vulnerable admission more than I slept with three guys in one night. You know, like, it's like, that's a harder thing to say for somebody who has spent 10 years and however amount of money trying to be an actress and then has to go, "Ah, I'm just not that good. And, it, and I think on the acting end, they have it so much harder because they have to present themselves as constantly confident, amazing, and then they're getting rejected 30 times a week in audition rooms, but they get that one sweet deal, so they have to keep up the, it's great, everything's fine. Hashtag gratitude, hashtag living the dream, hashtag Hollywood, hashtag booked it, hashtag, you know, like... 
And all those hashtags are really like just punches at all the regrets. They're just like, help me, help me, help me, help me. Things aren't working. I should go back to Idaho, shouldn't I? Shouldn't I? Yeah. Let's let's just rename hashtag to uh, to ouch. Yeah. Right. There have also there have been some pieces um, that I read when they were submitted thinking that the person was making fun of themselves and then when I heard it read the tone was very different from how I had read it so years ago there was one woman that another actress uh, but she did this piece about how you know being in Los Angeles she was like you know I, I came here and you know I slept with this guy John who was a producer on a show and then what do you know it? I booked a co-star. And then I slept and she went through this litany and then she was like, and guest star. And I was like, wow, she's acknowledging that she casting couched her way up to the top and is kind of making fun of herself. And But when she read it, she did. And next thing you know, co-star. Then I'm with Jeremy another guest spot like it was just like putting it on, like she had been abused like she had been uh, what are you gonna do so to, you know like, like these awful men in Hollywood as opposed to I'm a big old slut and I slept my way to the top and I'm fine with it <laughs> you know yeah, it's like own it I would have given Harvey Weinstein a reach around if I can get extra people to my you know in the seats for my movie I know. Like, I've had sex for, for worse reasons yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> than getting an Oscar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've had sex because I was drunk and it was the wrong person. Hey, there was no way I was going to get an Oscar out of that. No way. <laughs> I'd like to thank the Academy for this walk of shame. <laughs> I saw Harvey Weinstein uh, picture recently on trial. He is just morphing more and more. It's like if grotesque, like if it just came out, like if you turned into a toad because you were one. It's like some weird fairy tale. It would have been so much fun. It would have been so much more fun if he would have just like went to a retreat and then um, just got healthy, did like yoga, and then all of us come back, transforms, so woke, so woke and thin, and gets prettier girls than he ever did yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. just because he worked on himself and exactly. got in shape grows a mustache has glasses just yeah. you know laser resurfacing yeah. <laughs> that would have been fun they always got to choose it's funny though when i look at the news and they cho- um they choose like the weird they choose a photo and you know that photo is so out of context for whatever the story is i was oh, watching yeah. the um the, well, I just saw it. I didn't watch it, but the uh, the Quentin Tarantino uh, press conference at Cannes and how they were, like, pounding him about women's issues and stuff. And um, and it was just stupid. They were throwing stupid stuff at him. And um, But they have a photo of him where he's just kind of sitting there angry while the actress is kind of, like, smiling. And I know that that was taken probably before anyone said a thing, you know. Oh, I'm sure. And then they... It's like you see those, the, like... Felicity Huffman scandal and they're like um, Felicity Huffman you know uh, uh, regrets her decision but they show a picture of her going "Ah, 
yeah. like looking happy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you go, oh, she didn't really regret it. She's just saying that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hate those angles. She was at my premiere, by the way, which was like, yeah, that was pretty rad. I'm all, whoa, hi, uh, hi, William H Macy. And <laughs> people were like, were you involved in the scandal? And I was like, um, that, yeah, no, just leave me out of it. You should have claimed it. You should have claimed really? it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ran it. Yeah, I yeah. ran it. Yeah, yeah. She she had to sit through my movie. I don't know if she, if she hated it or loved it, but um, if she hated it, it was uh, it was my fault. I definitely. <laughs> I claim full responsibility. I will reimburse your tickets for. <laughs> it's amazing how like that scandal has captured people's attention, though. Yeah. The like it's, I feel like it makes people angrier than like some real tragedies in the world. Yeah. It's like what. I think people are trying people like to see that so they can avoid the real problems and they can because I'm like are you kidding who's not doing that that would be an actual real story who's not doing such things I remember I used to teach when I first moved here I used to teach the SAT I would do like the go privately and it was the shittiest job because you just felt like you were shuffling the deck in a way like you were doing no good for the world you were just changing like who the order of who gets it but the fair I mean the whole thing is so like building donations like the like as if that's any different it's just got a little little better spin to it as if like people are really going oh I want to building at USC because right, exactly. I love education. Yeah. Didn't they try to go after Dr. Dre for a minute? Cause oh, it, yes, that's yeah. right. That's right. And he did buy some building or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. started a whole like music conservatory or something. He like did something actually like really good and his kid got in. It's just like, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? He created something pretty cool for the school. I, I would nudge the kid in if I was running things. Yeah, yeah of course. I remember I had one uh, when I was uh, I taught the SAT, but also like um, es- essay writing to get into colleges. Uh, and my favorite essay that a girl wrote it did not get her in, but basically she had severe ADD to the point, like to the point that just something would distract. She just couldn't hold her mind in place. So she wrote an essay about ADD, and then in the margins she wrote what each like what different words triggered and where her mind went and how she had to pull it back on track and it was such a good like it displayed her intelli- like her creativity like how her mind did just go like little fireworks and uh but yeah somebody whose parents donated a building probably got in before ADD. with her though i think that would be an i would buy that book in a second because like, yeah and she wove things in like she would make a note earlier that you would understand when she referenced it late you know it was so there were connections being made you could see how you know like opposites would come together and her mind was come where is she where is she now she's like a david foster she's better than david foster wallace as far as i'm concerned i don't like david foster wallace that much but rest is rest in peace yeah that's right well i you know what scares me about david foster wall i i think of it as the david foster wallace syndrome the um making one change to your medication and then done you know that's what he did like he uh yeah like he was going along fine da 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 felt good about it made one alteration and could never get it back wow 
Did it, was that a doctor alteration or was that just him doing it? It was him doing it. Uh, yeah. But I always think about that. I, I know that was a segue, but I always yeah. think of that when I take my meds. I'm like, yeah. not going to be David Foster Wallace. <laughs> I'm keeping these babies up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this makes me feel sluggish, but I want to live. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, at this, I, there's going to be a point where there's enough Prozac in our uh, drinking water. Well, I think we'll be all okay. Oh, yeah. To- it must be. It must be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're downhill from where people are, are like, urinating, is it getting in the soil? <laughs> That'd be awesome. Like Beverly Hills Housewives uh, sewage, and then it re- repurposes, and then all of a sudden it's just like, wow, I, I got big tits, and I feel great. <laughs> right, like the Stepford Wives, the physical reason for Stepford Wives. <laughs> I, think there, I think there's a pitch there. I think we got that one. Let's work on that. Let's do it. Let's do it. We got our show. Are you a reality show person? Do you watch reality shows? Um, do I? I guess I really kind of haven't. I don't know. The one that I do, the only one I do, I do no housewives. I do The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Oh, really? Yeah, I have a, I have a, a ladies group, one guy. Um, we have the pictures on the wall. We vote. We've got a pool. Oh. There's money to be made. There, there's, it's not just about love. It's about making some bank. <laughs> we have a fun. It's sports for sports for chicks. Yeah. No, that sounds fun. Like that's totally engaging because you're engaging with the show on a level that's. It's almost like watching Jeopardy and knowing the next question, but to a next or an answer, to a next level. I I have never watched a reality show by myself. I find it not. But when you're with a group of people, yeah. it's like I don't know why people watch sports by themselves either. I understand with a group, uh-huh. but like the solo thing is like. You're yeah. just watching somebody hit a. Well, I don't get sports in general. Are you a sports person? I, I kind of only follow baseball, so I do watch the Giants alone, sadly, in my room as I weep. <laughs> but um, I, I think something about following the San Francisco Giants is I'm from San Francisco, so there's a little bit of home to me where it's just like I'm still connected with my people, you know? Yeah, yeah. What do you think when you go back to San Francisco now? I just want to kill myself, but I did that. I, that's what I thought when I was in San Francisco. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't pine away for the. I, well, yeah. The, well, the thing is, it's like my great grandparents um, in the '80s were like they were living in Noe Valley at the time, and they were they were sick of all the yuppies moving in. And this is in the '80s. I I was, I was through every wave of it. I just I got sad. My only my only sadness was that music venues were shutting down and and artists are leaving and then um, and I just I kind of knew I had to get out of there because the create it just the the creative juice was becoming more of a um, angry. There there was just like a lot of anger there and I'm like I don't subscribe to this anger. If people want to do tech, that's fine. I don't care. And and then Los Angeles is just amazing. But don't tell anybody so our rents don't go up. Uh, yes, I know. <laughs> we'll keep our big secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Los Angeles sucks. Don't come here. Oh, it's terrible. Everyone's fake. Everyone's fake. <laughs> Everyone wants to be a movie star, and they're not, so... <laughs> Even on the bus, it's like a fashion show runway, just on every single bus you take. <laughs> and if you don't participate, then you get kicked off the bus. If you're ugly, you're off the bus. <laughs> my, my husband at one point... Uh, <laughs> He likes to make the jokes. Uh, we were at a, a nice hotel with very, very pretty people walking around. And 
uh, he said to the bartender, he was like, excuse me, uh, there's an older woman by the pool who's not very attractive. I was wondering if there's something that you could do about her. And he was, the man was so solicitous, so like ready to please. He was like, oh, I would, but I can't. My husband was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> the idea that you would register a complaint. Sacred ignorance. And at the same time, how many other people have done that complaint with, with as a real thing? I'm sure. Or with kids. You always see when there's, like, the adult pool. Like, I mean, I don't have kids. And if you're in the adult pool. But, like, the anger that people have when they're, like, there is a child in the pool. <laughs> well, what's great about having a kid in the pool is I can pee in the pool and just go, these fucking kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all them. Um, yeah, drop a deuce and just go, ah, it's, yeah, that was kids. Kids, kids. <laughs> I used to, well, I, when I used to do sketch comedy, I had this uh, character called Menacing Man. What was it called? Menacing Man. I actually realized later it was just my grandfather my, oh. with his Norwegian accent. But um, I would, the, the premise was that I was this kind of ogre person who had just had, didn't know how to communicate well. So he was always had good intentions. So I would practice it with my wife at the time. We would go to the, she would like go shopping and we'd be at a store where she was getting underwear or something and I'd go up to one of the, because I hated shopping. She would just be like, you have to go with me. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I just practiced my, the, the guy I was working on. Yeah, and I can't do the voice now because it's been like 10 years. But I would go up to a saleswoman and I'd be like, I need to see your panties. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be like, what? The? And shit, and I would just stay in character and I was like, I want to see your panties. <laughs> and then, um, and then they would have someone else come by and, and it'd just be like, we don't know what this dude is doing. It's just, they were, and then my wife would always come and go, we're looking for the underwear department. And I'm like, the panties. <laughs> and they would be like, oh, okay. And I wouldn't break character and it would piss her off so much. Yeah, yeah. You need the visual for that. Your, your face is good with men. Menacing Man. is The vocal, but with the, with the facial, yeah, it's yeah. even oh, better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just, just kind of hunkering down and just very sincere. You have to play it so straight and sincere or you will be arrested. <laughs> I had one that I did that was somewhat similar to that when... I had a black eye um, at one point. I had actually walked into a door. That sounds like a crazy thing, but it was an open door. I didn't see it. I got this big black eye. Okay, so that's one feature. I had a check that was past the 90-day point that I was trying to cash at the bank. They weren't letting me because it was past 90 days. It wasn't that much. It was maybe like $150, and I wanted the $150. And I said to the clerk with my eye, I was like, I'm sorry, if there's anything, my husband, he just, he gets, if there's any way that you could talk to your supervisor, I just, I didn't realize 90 days. And my (laughs) husband. She went and talked to her supervisor and came back, and they let me cash my. Because <laughs> I didn't say my husband beat me. I didn't say I just. I just said my husband. If there's any way. <laughs> I love that on so many levels. That's just that's that's per, that's perfection on just just like. Not well, like just hacking life a little bit and just having some fun, you know. And then, yeah. and then things work out for you, and it doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't hurt anybody. 
the clerk, I'm sure, felt generous. She probably went home and said, oh, my goodness, there was this woman came at you and I, I saved her from another beating. I know it would have been the other eye. She would have been walking around with two shiners. Right, right. She's, she's going home happy. You're going home happy. Everyone's happy. And that's what life's about. That's what it's about. So if you ever have a black eye, make it work for you. There was five guys. It was, you know, they just looked at me and said, no hipsters. <laughs> People always think I'm a hipster just because I got a mustache. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you've got uh, you've got some quality. You've got the hat. The hat has a, uh, it has, yeah, it's a little hipster thing. Yeah. Only because it's sunny. Yeah. Without it, if you were in New York, it would be, it would not be hipster. Here, you're hipster. Oh, okay. I just like things wrapped around my head, and I feel really naked if I don't have something. I should, yeah, I should like just, I should join one of those religions where you have to wear a turban. Totally. Seek. You should be a seek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should seek to be a seek. <laughs> There's that uh, Golden Bridge Yoga that used to be around that was run entirely by Sikhs. Yes, that everyone wore, and, and it was like a perfect. I mean, I did it too. But like, you would, everyone would wear white and cover up their hair, and like. There's kind of a fun and like, well, this is just a little costume thing that we all do. We're not Sikhs, but. <laughs> and um, I've seen that even with the Kundalini yoga instructors. They do that. And I'm just like, cool, right on. And I, I like Kundalini. I'm in. So. Prana, breath of fire. Let's go. That prana up, that serpent. Wrap it to the top. We're so L.A. We're so L.A. <laughs> I, I feel like you could totally do like the types of women by the different types of yoga. Like so there's the kundalini, there's the ayengar, there's the traditional hatha, hot yoga, vini yoga, ashtang like and I bet you totally could like let's say there are 10, you could come up with your 10 types of women because everyone here does yoga. You have to do one or the other. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they, at the border, you know, like at the border, if you don't have a yoga mat on you, they make you go back home. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're like, what, really? Yeah. How are you going to survive? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, where's your water, where's your water bottle on your yoga mat? I don't get it. You need a towel too, but you can get, you can rent one of those. But if you don't have a yoga mat, that's ridiculous. There's germs. I was, it, it was coming back from um, Golden Bridge Yoga one night. And uh, in Kundalini Yoga, you always, or almost always have a, um, uh, like a blanket, you sit on your blanket, right? And I was passing with my blanket, walking uh, to my car, and there was a homeless fellow who looked rather cold. He was wearing just a, uh, like, you know, one of those wife beater shirts, and it was a little bit chilly. And of course, there I'm having holding my blanket, and I'm like, oh my God, like, I can't not give the guy a blanket. You can't be visualizing love and sending out meta to the universe and then hold on to your blanket as you go past somebody that's freezing. So I was like, do you want the. And I gave him my blanket. And then I was walking past and realized I'd forgotten something back at the studio. So I walked past and saw around the corner he had a stack of blankets that went up over his head. And I'm sure he went down to Venice Beach and sold blankets. But all of these ladies walking by that are like, I gotta give this guy my blanket. <laughs> that is so rad. I want to follow him to Venice and find out the whole. Uh, that's a film right there. 
Totally. Like just knowing, knowing the town, yeah. knowing how to work it, yeah. and, and having enough intuition to go, I know that these late, they may not give me a dollar. They're going to think I'm going to go do drugs, but they're not. If I'm going, I'm going to. And those things sell for uh, probably 40 bucks, you know? Yeah, I was like, you're just like, damn it, that should have been in my backpack. Why do I have it out? Oh, man, I can't walk past this guy. Great. (laughs) Right. It it, it was not a joy of giving. It wasn't like, what an opportunity I have. It was like, oh, fuck. What am I going to (laughs) do? Privilege. I'm so privileged. (laughs) In the end, though, the story's totally worth it, I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I give that guy props. I would just be like... Knowing, knowing that the um, knowing that the ending of that story is he's he's building a stock of he's he's stocking his warehouse is just rad. <laughs> yes, yeah, he probably has a home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's worth the fifty bucks. That's yeah. like thank you, thank you for that story. All right, it's it's you know. <laughs> yeah, I gotta figure out how to how to, how to work on writing that. That's the the, the, the guy that just. And then plus, so we got we got the metro that goes all the way out to Santa Monica. Yes, so he, yeah. that's right. He could do it. Have you ever heard that tale? I'm not going to remember the exact line, but it was it's a story about a homeless guy who was had a sign that said uh, uh, "Hungry, please give" or, or something, and not many people were giving him money. And then some advertising exec walked by saw him and said can I add just two words to your sign I think you'll make a lot more money and he just added the words it's spring and for some reason hungry need money it's spring the word spring hit something in people when they went by that made them feel like oh to be hungry on the you know, at the beginning of spring. Uh, and so people gave him a, a, a lot of money, and it was uh, the advertising exec used it as an example of something about how it's not the thing that you would normally think that would pull at people's hearts, you know. It's something that hits a little deeper, you know, like renewal or possibility or hope. You're like, I don't know why you would think maybe this guy won't spend this money for drugs. It's spring. Anything could happen. Yeah. <laughs> Things can change. Yeah. I mean, the spring season for crack is not good at all. <laughs> terrible, so. terrible. That, but that, that makes that's oddly makes sense because it's almost like that's the connect because we're both on the same weather. We're both on the same right, weather right, platter. Right, right, right. That's an, that's another way to look at it. Right. Yeah. We're here on the same day. We're experiencing the same earth together. Yeah. We're breathing the same air, yeah. and then all of a sudden we have a commonality, and then it's just like let's all share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how you couldn't directly say that. Nobody would ever read that and go, oh, yeah. But it hits you on some level, yeah. The problem is he read The Secret and he got rid of his health insurance and his house. And then that's where he ended up. inside visualizing a stack of money plopping down on him. Yeah, I I tried to read The Secret and people are like, you got to read The Secret. And I'm reading it and I'm like, "Uh, okay, you know, I get the visualization thing, but... You know, I'm a depressed soul myself, you know. It's just like, I can't go all in on this. Well, it also, it add, I mean, it adds insult to injury that if you things work out badly, it's because you were a shitty visualizer. Yeah. It's like those people in Darfur. What were they thinking? 
they're living in terrible conditions. Why didn't they imagine something like, you know, palm trees, beaches, like the world is their oyster? Yeah. <laughs> imagine clean water and flint. Yeah. That's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> in The Secret, there's also... Uh, <laughs> there's one guy. This is just in the movie. I'm not sure if it's in the book. Oh, there's a movie? I didn't even oh, know there was a movie. Yes, it's one of the. It's huge. But there's a guy who uh, wants a beautiful woman, and he's not been getting the attractive women that he has wanted. So what he decides to do is paint a picture of this wonderful woman that he wants up on his wall. And what do you know it? A week later, a woman that looks exactly like that painting walks up to him and asks him out on a date. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's true? It's what he says. It's the most absurd. Like, just the idea of taking some random person's word for it. <laughs> yeah, I I visualized uh, getting a Lamborghini, and then it drove up to my house. You can't prove that it didn't. You know, like, <laughs> testimonials that are. Yeah, I have a um. I I'm just I decided to put a fun because I'm so tired of these stupid fundraisers on Facebook that are just like help me fund my vacation while, while they're while they're taking photos of their sushi at these high-end restaurants and I'm like you know what so I, I have a fundraiser up right now to get my anus bleached oh well that's an important that's an important cause it's not just for you it's for everyone who's gonna see it which, and at the same time, Facebook has to review it. So it was under review, and I didn't think it would get through. But I did find a doctor who actually does anal bleaching in Los Angeles, so I put that in the... Is that a real thing? Yes. And, and I think that's how I got through. And then I changed, and then after they pushed me through, then I changed the photo to a bottle of Clorox and then just said, I need anal bleaching. And then it's just the fundraiser. <laughs> Um, how much have you gotten? To, well, what are you aiming for? What are you trying to get? So I, I put 200 just as a joke. I got 65. You got 65? <laughs> One single donor or um, no, no. I, all my friends are like, holy shit, this is the this is the only fundraiser I will ever give money to because they're, they're so sick of the hypocrisy of so much other. I mean, everyone, you know, with the whole like, I'm don't please donate to this nonprofit. I'm like, I know that nonprofit's a piece of shit. I know the people that work there and they don't. They're not good people, and it's just like really, just because you're nonprofit, you're good. It just, I know, and like they ask it like, it's so hard to because people know how much you donate, and then you feel but like, it puts, it puts me. I, you know what? I should sin bravely. The next time I get one of these, I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't go along with it, because normally I just go. Ah, I gotta give something. I do. Anal bleaching, Tony Duchesne, Facebook. Got it, got it, got it. I don't want this one to be the first one that I opt out of. <laughs> what I crack up about, though, is it all, and all the fun, you can click on the fundraisers and everything says, you know, Rachel's birthday, blah, blah, blah. And all mine says is anal bleaching. It's just the title. And it just makes me so happy. Doesn't even say for you specifically. You could be just supporting the cause in general. And it, I don't know why it makes me happy. Then there's, some people are like, Tony, you know, money goes to like, there's people who have real problems out there. And that, that, that makes me laugh even more. <laughs> well, you know, first world problems, they're still problems. I mean, at the same time, some of these people, I'm like, I've been on a diet of beans and rice to make something happen. And, you know, and I, because I'm an artist and I know that I've subscribed to this life. I'm not out there going, 
you know. Now, who do you think, do you think there are more men or more women that get the anal bleaching done? I wish I had. <laughs> well, the only reason I knew what anal bleaching was was because I watched an episode of Californication and um, one of the co-stars was just like, I got to go get my anal bleaching. And I was, so that's when I found out it was a thing. And then I think some people have said that it's like a gay thing, like the, there's a gay population that does it, but I really have no clue. It just sounded like the stupidest idea, especially for a guy who looks like me, who has so much other hair on so many, you know, Great. Yes. If that was <laughs> the one spot you really like put all of your attention into, it's an area you can really master. <laughs> you have no idea how embarrassed I am about my anus. I have to be very careful to show it. <laughs> you know, there's, it's also, you know, the, uh, uh, do you know the Mona Lisa? Have you heard about the Mona Lisa? Well, it's a it, other, other than an art piece in the blue. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> it's a it's a vaginal rejuvenation thing, which is you know I've certainly heard about it before. But what I like is the name. I like the idea that that's why the Mona Lisa is smiling slightly. She's like, you don't know what I got going on down here. <laughs> there should be a Mona Lisa for dudes too. That smirk is pretty. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> What are, like that that all of these years people have been wondering what is what is it she discovered some joie de vivre the secret no she's got a she just got it going on down there and Leonardo da Vinci is all is all like oh they finally figured it out <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> I had my finger in there the whole time <laughs> be a great cutback to reveal. <laughs> That would be amazing. Um, when's your next sit and spin? Do you have one coming up? It is June sixteenth. It's a Thursday. It's a really good show. What's after that? Because I think this may air after June sixteenth. Oh, it, the third Thursday in July. Whatever. That is. is it the third Thursday of every month? It's the third Thursday of every month. Yes. And where do where is it at? It's at the Comedy Central stage on Santa Monica Boulevard. Tickets are free. Comedy Central sponsors it. Just call and come on by. It's a great, it's a great show. <laughs> Maggie, thanks so much for being on the show. We've done an hour. Can you believe it? That's amazing. So much fun. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> Maggie Rowe on Drinks with Tony, everyone. Check out her book, Sin Bravely, a memoir of spiritual disobedience out now on Soft Skull Press. She also runs the Spoken Word Show Sit and Spin every Thursday on the Comedy Central stage in Los Angeles at 8 p.m. That is every third Thursday. I'm sorry. Thanks for listening to Drinks with Tony. Have a great week. I will see you next Wednesday.